health, parenting, finance, travel, and home improvement. This is the Suburban Folk Podcast. Welcome to the Suburban Folk Podcast. I'm Greg Rodersheimer, your host. Today is another solo episode about one of my favorite topics that we cover, travel. And it's been a little while since we've talked about travel, frankly, because of the fact that not a lot of people have been able to go anywhere for the last year. But knock on wood, it feels like that's starting to open up. And I'm going to go ahead and summarize the different trips that we were able to take as a family in the past year. Maybe some tips that people can use going forward if you haven't had a chance to go out and have a regular vacation or if you are just depressed about the lack of travel that you've had going on, maybe can live vicariously through some additional stories. So again, some tips based on what we've been able to do and really resetting expectations, I guess, at least for this time, in particular from the concept of international travel versus domestic travel. Actually, on the show, when we first started, one of my favorite things and still is one of my favorite things has been to have people on the show from other countries other than the United States, especially right out of the gate. I had guests from... Denmark and Ghana and a few folks from Australia. As a matter of fact, one was actually a travel agent herself. So a lot of different stories and comparisons right at the beginning of the pandemic, as a matter of fact. Actually, if you go back to that episode, she talks about how she almost got stuck in the States prior to lockdowns in Australia, which was a super interesting story. But even the amount of vacationing or travel that people have been able to do has been, I think, it's fair to say, exclusively domestic travel at this point. So being able to expand out internationally would be very, very nice. And actually, why it's a poignant topic for me and my family, my kids were getting just about to that age where we were hoping to do some international travel. And of course, those plans got completely put to the side and we were able to do some other things. So the place really, I figured to start as I reminisce about our vacation plans and Again, how we had to shift at the very beginning of the pandemic. Interestingly enough, we were on a cruise ship in February of 2020. So at that point, people knew about coronavirus, certainly what was going on in China. Actually, our ship did have a questionnaire slash requirement that you had not been in China, maybe even additional international travel that would have required other documentation, or I'm not even sure if they were going to let you on the ship or not. But being very honest, I know there were definitely jokes amongst ourselves and others about what was coming, or thank goodness we're not on the other ships that ultimately got abandoned, not abandoned, but got stranded at sea, uh, where they had to be out there for for so long periods of time because of the outbreaks that were going on. And then, of course, a month later, it was definitely here in the States and everywhere. And uh, I don't think anybody's really experienced anything like it since. So uh, it's really a surreal thing to go back to that particular moment. Actually, uh, in my day job, we just did a icebreaker amongst a particular group. So I was going through some of our prior vacation pictures as a about me page. And in September of 2019 is when we did our first Disney trip. If you go way back into the podcast, we did a whole episode about how my wife, frankly, put that whole trip together and things that you could do. 
as I've said many times, she's very, very much into Disney. But who knows? Hopefully at some point, uh, theme parks and Disney in particular gets back to normal. But of course, we didn't know at that time that what we got to experience it will be a while uh, until we get back to that same setup as far as social distancing and masks and total crowds, et cetera, et cetera. So it was nice that we were able to get that in when the kids were the age that they were. And on the same note, we rode that wave, so to speak, into 2020 with some pretty extensive travel plans. We were scheduled to go to Alaska in May. No, that's not right. Alaska in August, maybe? <laughs> Somewhere around there. Uh, I'm already getting my dates confused. But uh, Alaska, Turks and Caicos uh, were the primary couple that we were going to do. And then also we were looking at a cruise in the Baltic. <laughs> and that's doubly bad, right? International travel and also a cruise. So it became pretty clear pretty quickly that those things weren't going to happen. And actually, when we were talking about Alaska, it was probably going to be or it was, it was scheduled as a cruise as well. So all of that off the table and heck, Canada has pushed anything remotely close to a cruise all the way into 2022 already. So uh, Alaska is pretty well out, it seems like at this point. So what we ended up doing, and of course, making sure people are being or adhering to what their risk tolerance happens to be. So we definitely were very good about wearing masks, doing a lot of research reading as far as air travel was concerned, um, making sure that any trip that we took was going to be outdoors, all of those different kinds of things. And of course, waited a while, especially once we got into the warmer summer months uh, to, to really go and venture out to do much. So checking all those boxes as much as we possibly can felt safe enough uh, in the areas that we picked to go to. But there was certainly a period of time where we felt uh, down about the trips that had to be postponed. Again, uh, front and center was uh, the Alaska trip that I have actually been to Alaska when I was a senior in high school and it was one of the best vacations that I remember. So I was really excited to be able to get that back in. Um, but just again, not to be at least from a, from a cruise standpoint. So once we got over the, uh, well, of course, getting used to everything that was going on with lockdowns, but the sadness, if you will, or the loss of, of being able to take those vacations, uh, we started to figure out where maybe we could go that would be as safe as possible, but also crossing off some of the bucket list uh, items that we had going on. Um, and one of those ended up being Yellowstone, which proved to be a very popular destination uh, it seems like this past year from the numbers that we saw and, and so on. Now, popular in the sense that if people were traveling, that was a place that we read and heard people were definitely going to, but definitely way less people than there would be in normal times. Uh, and that ended up being in August. So at that point, I think there were some lower numbers at that point. I believe that was probably one of our first times to actually jump on a plane. So we were a little nervous about that, but um, there aren't a lot of people on the flights, so didn't really have any issues there. Um, so all good from that standpoint. And actually, we were able to fly into Salt Lake City, which is where I used to live. So I was able to show my family all of the different places that I 
would go to while I lived there as well as the apartment that I used to live in. So that was pretty cool. And I love the mountains. That's just a great place to be. One of the themes that I want to get across as I'm going through some of these vacations and also being flexible and appreciating domestic travel, especially here in the U.S. I grew up in the Midwest. I think most people would consider Pittsburgh the Midwest, Appalachia, uh, and admittedly, probably not even appreciating the mountains, the Appalachian mountains, the way they are, because you just, you get used to it. And when I lived in Salt Lake City, those mountains to me are just very majestic. And the way Salt Lake was described to me, even before I moved there, it was a guy on the plane when I was going for a job interview said, if you like the Rocky Mountains, if you've been to Denver, yes, it's great. And they're beautiful, but they're pretty far in the distance if you're in downtown Denver. Whereas in Salt Lake City, you look any way you look, because you're in a valley, those mountains are very, very close and they're just right there to be seen at all times. So I would describe it like you come out of Walmart and you just see these majestic mountains <laughs> doing your general daily activities. I said to people that I worked with when I was living there, I bet you are just used to this because you've been here your whole life. And most of them would say, yeah, that is really true. So the same thing that I regarded with the Appalachian Mountains that you just get used to it and you don't appreciate it as much. They had that same perspective for uh, the mountains in Salt Lake, uh, the the Wasatch and Uinta mountain fronts. So that's one lesson to, to be learned. I think if, if you're like me and you've had these grand travel plans and, and you've had to change those up, that there really is a whole lot to be seen domestically in the U.S. during the downturn of the financial markets back in 2008. I think that's when the term staycation first was coined. And of course, the idea there is you just didn't have the money to go anywhere else. So find things in your backyard that you've overlooked because you're wanting to go to that far off beach vacation or Europe or whatever the case happens to be. So I'd say the same thing for uh, anybody that's missing out on international travel um, at this point. And that's the other thing going back to this particular Yellowstone vacation, getting into Europe and going back to Alaska were certainly some of the bucket list vacations that I really wanted to get to. But Yellowstone absolutely is on my bucket list, I should say was because I'm able to check it off the list. So it wasn't that big of a deal, I guess, as far as being one of those trips that you definitely wanted to be able to take uh, at some Point. Uh, and then, of course, as well, we were able to do the Tetons. So a highlight of that trip and, and overall, I would recommend anybody that does not have Yellowstone on your bucket list, it needs to be. Honestly, before researching it, I, I have to admit, I guess I just assumed it was like other national parks, meaning, yes, beautiful terrain and waterfalls, rivers, mountains, stuff like that. But I really I knew what Old Faithful was as far as a geyser. I didn't really appreciate all of what goes into, A, the amount of geysers that are there, um, B, and what's underneath Yellowstone as far as the lava and everything else that you can research that creates the water getting so hot that it, of course, erupts out of the geysers. And then from there, there's all these other kinds of hot pools and things like that that are really, really interesting. And you hear the phrase, like if somebody just put you in the middle of Yellowstone in certain parts and told you you were on another planet, you might believe them because it's some pretty wild 
terrain that, that you get to see there. Uh, and of course, the hikes are really, really cool and the wildlife that you see as well. And then connected to that are the Grand Tetons. I think most people are probably aware that sort of in that whole span of area, Jackson, Wyoming is probably the closest, I think the closest bigger town or at least town that's going to have an airport. And right outside of Jackson is Grand Teton National Park. So I feel like most people that do go to Yellowstone likely hit the Tetons as well, which is, of course, what we did. So once we got done with Salt Lake, we did a couple of hikes in the area uh, before making our way up the road. And again, something else with that area. One more shout out. There are state parks, national parks, not that far. I mean, a couple hours that are some of the best in the country, presumably some of the best in the world. So there's a ton to do in that area. I would recommend for anybody that also doesn't have Utah on their list to make a trip out that way uh, and, and really take in the natural beauty of an area like that. Uh, making our way up to Jackson, I will say one negative. I've heard such great things about Jackson itself. I'm wondering maybe if those are dated reviews because I've also read that Jackson used to be more old-timey, down-home feel and that it's maybe gotten a little bit too commercialized at this point. It felt a little commercialized from my standpoint. Not a bad little town, expensive, which I guess we knew that already going out. Um, but I, I, there wasn't anything I really necessarily latched on to, I'll say, um, for the town itself. The Tetons were awesome. One of her memories that will stick with us, I think, probably forever is having the kids be as young as they are. One of the recommended hikes is around the lake right at the base of the Tetons called Jenny Lake. And I believe you have the option of either hiking all the way around the lake and then you can hike like into the Tetons. I'm not going to remember the name of that specific hike. I'm sure it's one of the most popular if you looked it up. Or your other option is you can take a boat that puts you right at the foot of the Tetons and you're uh, doing some hiking right along there. But at any rate, the hike that we chose... So we went ahead and, and took the boat because we knew with the kids, if we did around the lake, we would be lucky to even get to the other side at the very beginning of some of those trailheads. And then they wouldn't have any energy left. So we at least took the boat to get across to there. But we knew the hike was going to be about four and a half to nearly five miles one way and then back. So in other words, a nine to 10 mile hike. I had my... uh child backpack carrier. Uh, I know there's probably a different name for it and hopefully people know what I'm talking about, but basically it's just a backpack where if you have a smaller kid, which um, our youngest was four during this trip, um, they're just basically back there and, and you're, you're hauling them around. Uh, I, as far as weight is concerned, she's probably, I'll say 20, somewhere between 20 and 25 pounds. So Small enough that I was able to carry her for most of this hike, but big enough where I was definitely dead tired at the end. And <laughs> we said to my son at the beginning of the hike, you're going to be the linchpin of how far we actually get here because I can't really carry you. And he couldn't be carried by my wife either. So as much as he was going to be able to do is was as far as we were going to be able to go. And he was a trooper. He really, really liked it for hmm, the first two to three miles. And then I think he started to get a little bit tired. But of course, the point is, is on an up and back kind of hike, as far as you get, you've got to somehow make your way um, back from there. But beautiful, beautiful hike. The Tetons are 
just as gorgeous as anything you might have read as far as they're concerned. Uh, one other shout out, uh, and we've done it for two trips now at this point. If you uh, discover any apps that basically they track you on GPS and as you drive by landmarks, they'll give you all the history and where to stop off at. Highly recommend it. I I, I want to say they were, I don't know, between 5 and $10. Not a whole heck of a lot in the grand scheme of your vacation budget. For us, we're not the types to, let's say, stop at a war memorial or something and read every plaque that's there or things like that. We appreciate history to an extent, but we're not the types that are going to be really engrossing ourselves in it during a lot of our vacation. So I would definitely take a look at those kinds of tour guide apps so that you get some feel for history and you can hear some of the stories that go along with it. Um, it again, it's affordable and it's also not so immersive that your whole day is spent at one site because you're again, reading every single little thing. So I would definitely, definitely recommend those, especially for Yellowstone. I think we enjoyed that one even a little bit more than what we did for um, the Tetons. So uh, so, so take a look at that. Uh, the other thing that was really cool for us in the Tetons, which is also interesting for Yellowstone in the other way, we managed to see three moose on that particular hike. And when we were driving to sort of scout it out the first day that we got into town, we ended up seeing a bear, uh, which... Flash forward, that was actually the only bear that we saw before even getting into Yellowstone. So luckily we were able to do that or we would have said we managed to go out there and um, didn't actually get to get get to see a bear um, or a moose. Again, I, we didn't see any moose in Yellowstone either if memory serves correctly. So uh, big thumbs up there from the Teton standpoint. But as, as much as we enjoyed the Tetons, I think we would both agree that all of the different attractions at Yellowstone – were even more interesting. And at the end of our trip, both my wife and I were saying, yes, we would like to go back. We felt like we had to rush to see uh, as much as we could see. And, and, and we'd probably like to take our time even a little bit more. Um, and so I would almost break it down into three different categories of the park. I'm sure somebody that's really well-versed in Yellowstone is going to bang their head against the wall and say, oh my gosh, this guy's glossing over so many different things. But we spent the first few days of our trip around those geysers and the hot pools and um, those kinds of attractions that are, are really, really cool. So that was one, I, I hate to say this, and I actually said it, I think when we were on one of the trails, it's almost like you wish there was only one geyser in the area and that the rest were dispersed throughout the world. One of the things that I'm sure when you research Yellowstone, you'll hear it's the largest collection of geysers in the world. So I guess going back to my theme of when you get used to a certain view or whatever's in front of you, you don't appreciate it as much as if there was less of them. Uh, and and that would be my only critique maybe of myself during those initial hikes is, yeah, it was so cool, of course, to see the geysers. And I, I can't wait to get a chance to go see them again. But even where Old Faithful is, for example, that's the one you always hear about because it, just like the name says, is the most predictable. But there's actually bigger geysers uh, in that same area. I, I don't know how many miles the, the boardwalk is where you find Old Faithful, but in a pretty close proximity to each other. Um, so you see all that and um, – Again, you go from one to the other and, and 
trying to discern the differences between one and the other. But like I said, if I could disperse them throughout the world, I probably would so that more people can see at least one um, rather than being in one place. Other things like the mud pots um, and like I said, the hot pools are, are really, really cool. There's uh, this one – Gosh, I'm going to say hot pool and I probably am not using the right term, but it's called Grand Prismatic. It's one of the primary attractions in Yellowstone. Just this huge, huge hot, hot pool and all the deposits that are on the edge of it make this crazy um, array of colors around the whole thing that it's just super pretty and really, really awesome. My one tip there at least would be luckily we did a hike that puts you up high to see it looking down so that you can take in the entire pool itself. Whereas when you're on the road and you do the actual pool in that's labeled grand prismatic, you're right at the base of it. So you don't get that overhead view to see the whole thing. It's still cool, but I actually much preferred being up above that you could take in the whole thing. So I was really excited when we did that. And actually we, we did the pull off directly by it towards the end of our trip and we were very very tired with the amount of travel that we had done so it it was a quick one and again maybe that's why i'm biased towards i like the other view maybe i was just fresher in what we were overall able to do Um, another one is waterfalls waterfalls galore um just do some research pick some of the hikes Uh, quite frankly i think all of them are going to escape me right now and i'm not even going to try to remember all the names of uh, the waterfalls but uh, pick a couple of those because they're really, really pretty. And that's actually one of the other high level ways that I sort of broke up the park is the area that is why Yellowstone presumably got its name. It's almost like a a mix between the Grand Canyon and Niagara Falls, I guess, as far as these crazy huge waterfall areas in this big gorge. There's, There's a number of them. Um, that are just all right right along the road. My only complaint for that, again, we did that towards the end and every single one of these lookout points has these zigzags, super steep going down and back up. Would be fine in general, but like I said, I was carrying the kids pretty much the entire time and and that was also towards the end of the trip. So um, a couple of those got a little bit tough and, and frankly takes a lot of time just to get down to them and see it and then make your way back up. Uh, And then the third overall category I had was the more open areas. For example, I think it was midweek that I I think I made a comment that they say Buffalo are everywhere. We hadn't seen any uh, where we were at in West Yellowstone. And then once we got, I think it's more on the north end uh, as far as where this area would be. Um, But once we got to it, uh, there's buffalo everywhere. I mean, that's probably where you would see pictures of cars backed up because the buffalo are just standing on the road. So that was super cool that we were able to take those in. Like I said, we got worried for a little bit that maybe they weren't going to be around, but we were just happened to not be in the right part of the park at that point. Um, One other story I think I might have even mentioned in other podcasts, and I've definitely mentioned in other people's podcasts uh, sure enough we thought it was a good idea to get a bunk bed for the kids to be able to sleep in just hey what kid doesn't like bunk beds right long story short our youngest managed to trip on her way down and uh, ultimately broke her arm it was middle of the night uh, evening so of course we're checking to see if, if it appears to be broken or not she was able to sleep through the night but 
there was an ER around somewhere, but we didn't necessarily want to go do that if we didn't have to. We actually found a ortho uh, in Bozeman, Montana, which was about an hour and a half from there that we were able to get up to. They were great. And knock on wood from the financial standpoint, um, the insurance actually kicked in in a good way for that, that um, it ended up being in network, et cetera, et cetera. And she was such a trooper on the back end. Now, obviously, it took us a while to get back to our itinerary for the rest of the week, but she was in a temporary cast and she let me carry her pretty much the entire way. I think she would keep her cast on my head quite a bit, which that kind of would bump around because the bottom of it was still hard, which wasn't the best in the world. But you know what? If she was going to grin and bear it with a broken arm, I was going to grin and bear it um, (laughs) with her having the hard cast um, lying on my head while we continued through the rest of the trip. So all in all, it was a great, great vacation. And again, (laughs) I'll probably inevitably compare it to Alaska, even though I'm sure there really shouldn't be any kind of a comparison, but just in my head, because that's one of the ways that we had to pivot uh, in the, in the last year. Um, I'll have that in mind of which one I end up preferring and whether or not that uh, change to Yellowstone was uh, a, a bad thing or not. And really the answer is it wasn't a bad thing. Uh, actually for the kids being older for Alaska will probably uh, be a good thing for them to be able to remember more. And uh, another theme that we have as a lesson learned, you've heard me talk about a lot of different cruises uh, because cruises, even before the pandemic got a decent amount of bad press from an environmental standpoint. And I'm not, super radical one way or the other for that consideration. But I definitely agree that (laughs) it can't be great uh, for the environment. And and there's also even talks about, you know, economical um, uh, impacts, especially to like small islands and stuff that really depend on those kinds of tourist vehicles to, to come in. Um, But the reason why we were so into it for the age of the kids now is you can actually see some things rather than just going to a beach because it's too hard to transport kids of that age, um, that kind of thing. So I'm always very specific to say that's why we were leaning so heavily on cruises so that we could get to places like the Baltic, like potentially uh, Alaska, so that my wife and I could actually see some things that we haven't seen before but not have – quite as many headaches with getting the kids around uh, in the car seats and whatever else would um, be part of more extensive road trips and so on. But from that same standpoint, as we've done a little bit of research about how we would potentially redo Alaska, it's very possible that we would not even necessarily do a cruise. And actually, let's even separate – We're talking about one of the big, big cruise ships, those giant, massive ones that you see on the commercials. Those actually can't get as far into some of the inlets to see the glaciers in Alaska uh, as well as a smaller ship. Uh, So that's something we're considering is whether or not we should just do a cruise but on one of the smaller ships. Now, I believe kids have to be older on most of those, so that'll be something we have to weigh. But the other is doing one of the land tours. For example, uh, Denali National Park is in the middle of the state. And as far as I'm aware, no cruise ship has – well, I shouldn't say no, but 
if there is a day trip to Denali, I would imagine you wouldn't get in probably as much as you should, uh, having gone all that way. And I'm not even sure that that many cruise ships even have a trip to Denali uh, as an excursion for a cruise ship. So that's something else that it really probably will be a lesson learned for us. Like I said, we didn't plan on being such heavy cruisers uh, for the long term uh, in general, uh, but especially as the kids get older and the more that we start to appreciate the trip that we had, like Yellowstone, we'll probably continue to gravitate uh, to those kinds of trips. Again, you can just see more... Uh, it's not as controlled or limited, I guess, when you talk about cruise excursions. Um, and, and it just, I feel like you're going to get more authenticity for the area that, that you're checking out. So by and large, that was our Yellowstone trip. And again, I couldn't have been happier with it. Now, Also, in the year that we've had, of course, being able to go out anywhere is, is a welcome change. And also being outside every single day. We had great weather. I think it rained maybe like half a day and that was it. Other than that, gosh, it was just beautiful, beautiful weather the whole entire time. You have your masks. We had lanyards on that um, that way you could easily put your mask on whenever you're passing anybody and being courteous that way. Um, and other than that, you're, you're kind of by yourself. And like I said, from what we read, the parks were way less populated than they otherwise would have been. So we really benefited from less traffic and being able to get up to a lot of the uh, sites a lot easier than we would, I guess, in normal times. So that was how we were able to pivot uh, for that middle of the year and what had um, ultimately changed. I don't know if I mentioned or, or not, one of our other trips was Turks and Caicos, and that goes completely the other way. It is on a resort, uh, all you can eat, all you can drink, but you're not leaving the resort. It's basically a cruise trip with without you know being on the water. Uh, it, it's the same kind of a setup. So that ended up being pushed. Actually, we're supposed to go on that trip uh, at the very beginning of June, which we're quite ready for. And everything that we've read, um, Turks and Caicos has done a really nice job as far as vaccines and everything is concerned. We're all vaccinated up. So uh, again, really, really excited to do that. But th there was no real alternative for that particular trip that we were uh, going to be able to, to get in. So, um, so we didn't. And the other thing that we were able to do towards the end of the year, we didn't take the kids, but uh, did the Smoky Mountains, which is another lesson learned of looking to see what's in your backyard. So again, I'm in Richmond. Um, so it's about a five hour drive to get out that way, maybe a little bit longer. Um, breaking up the trip between the Smoky Mountains and um, uh, Asheville for a little bit and like the Biltmore and, and that kind of stuff. Uh now, going back to what I'd said of being used to a certain type of terrain, the Smokies are very much like um, the Appalachian Mountains. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that uh, the Appalachian Trail goes through. I'm, I'm almost positive we passed it. So I'll say with 99.9% .9 certainty, um, it runs right into the same. So very similar type of terrain. But the trails that we did were all really, really cool Um Again, I'm not going to remember any of the specific ones. Most were like four and five miles, uh, making sure that we were able to bring in a couple of the waterfalls, things like that. One shout out, uh, again, credit to my wife for booking a bed and breakfast called the Buckhorn. That was just awesome. Um, the rooms were, as you'd expect for a bed and breakfast, a little more rustic, I guess, than your standard Marriott or uh, Hilton accommodation, but um, more than adequate. And their dining facility is just this gorgeous view of the mountains right in front of you. And the food was 
just awesome. I mean, thank goodness we were hiking each day because the breakfast and the dinners were really, really good. Um, probably not so good for, for my diet, but, <laughs> but we were on vacation. So that's, that's what you're supposed to do um, when you're there. So if and when we get back to the Smokies, I would absolutely want to stay um, where we were at again there. One other thing that we did that I never thought I would have on my list was uh, we did zip lines. Uh, and that was actually really cool. That was a rainy, wet day, <laughs> kind of the opposite of what I was just saying for Yellowstone. I think we had a number of rainy days, but we powered through it. That's um, and, and that particular day, we were able to power through. Um, and they don't call it the Smoky Mountains for nothing. We probably obstructed some of the things we were able to see. But it was kind of a cool thing to, to be able to, to get into and got you into the heart of the mountains a little bit. So uh, some of the stuff, again, that we could do without the kids being along. We also ended up doing Dollywood. Uh, That's one, at least for myself, I wouldn't necessarily go and do again. It was fine. It was a theme park. I I had always heard of Dollywood. I didn't actually know it was a theme park. I thought it was like Graceland. (laughs) Like you go to Graceland to see where Elvis grew up. You go to Dollywood apparently to see where Dolly Parton grew up. turns out that's not the case. Although they did have a replica of her uh, child home childhood house uh, so i guess if, if you're into that then then that's there uh it, but other than that it, theme park um i i didn't necessarily remember anything to, to call out all that much other than it breaks up maybe some of your hiking days and that kind of thing um and then when we made our way back to Asheville, the biltmore was definitely cool something i never really had on my list but it was cool to see the grounds and what all had gone on there um, and Asheville in general was, was a pretty cool town as well. So that's the way we were able to get in our trips this past year. Again, uh, following what we felt was okay from, uh, from a risk standpoint, um, with, uh, the infection rates and all that kind of thing. And, and of course, I think just like everybody, especially once the winter months started to happen, we hunkered back down, um, at that point, but Hey, we probably would have anyway. That's just sort of how people's vacation cycles, uh, end up going, but Again, at least we had the things to look forward to. Uh, we're able to experience some new places. And back to the same theme that there's a lot to experience and discover in the U.S., even if you're um, not able to to do other things that maybe you had on your radar. And then the last thing, I don't know if I've mentioned in any of our shows at all or not, but we were able to go to Hawaii at the end, uh, not at the end, actually uh, at the, yeah, at the end of January. So um, the very beginning of this year, I guess I was going to say, uh, I won't go into too, too much detail because gosh, I feel like I could do a whole podcast on that. So for now, I'm just going to say we were in Maui. Um, It was actually a conference that my wife was attending and you hate to look at it this way because of obviously all of the issues that have gone on with the pandemic, but it was great that the lack of people made it so easy to get where we needed to go. The road to Hana is what you're typically going to hear you have to do when you go to Maui, which I forget how long the road is, but basically it's all day. We started at 5 a.m. and didn't get done with everything until 7 p.m. Now, as you probably can tell when I'm talking about hiking in particular, uh, we probably overdo it a lot with those stops. So I think we did more than what is deemed the essential stops. Uh, So you probably could do the whole trip in less time. And again, we have the small kids, so it takes us a little bit longer to get from here to there. But uh, I can't say a bad thing about any of the places that we ended up um, stopping at, especially 
and Haleakala uh, is the name of the main volcano and the park that surrounds it. Uh, it was at the very end, I think the back end of the mountain uh, where you do this just crazy, incredible hike that has this bamboo forest and ends with a giant, giant waterfall. Um, just gorgeous. And basically what I've told everybody for Hawaii is, yeah, it seems cliche to say how great Hawaii is because that's all you hear from people. And well, yep, it's that great. <laughs> it really, really is. Uh, I don't know that I can think of any other place that I've been up to this point where you can go into like a rainforest type setting slash mountainous setting. And then the very next day or heck same day, you're in tranquil beach, beautiful waters um, immediately after. As a matter of fact, when we went up to the mountain to see the sunrise of the first day, it was cold. Um, gosh, 40s, maybe even colder, um, just completely wrapped up in blankets and couldn't wait to <laughs> get to the next thing. Then we did a hike uh, down into the canyon right from there. Another place, like I mentioned for Yellowstone, if I were to just drop you there and tell you you're on a different planet, you'd probably believe me when you see all the, the rock and stuff that's going on. But it's started to really mist up in the fog and mist, rain, everything was kind of miserable. <laughs> Frankly, the kids were not a big fan of that. But once we came back down the mountain, it's like 80 degrees. Uh, you know, once we got back to where our hotel was and um, hanging out at the beach the rest of the day. So where else are you necessarily going to get something like that? Uh, that it was just really, really awesome. Um, the West side of Maui as well, uh, was really, really cool. There's a, that's where you see a lot of lava and, uh, blowholes. I, I want to say that's where, uh, the, the golf course is Kapalua, uh, where they have the PGA guys come in. Um, we were able to walk the grounds there a little bit. Um, so yeah, gosh, I, I, I could really go on and go on about that one, but, um, another that we were able to do that we weren't necessarily otherwise going to do, but since some of our other travel plans, even coming into this year, uh, got, got changed a little bit, we were able to sneak that in and we're super, super excited to get that going. And then looking forward, uh, again, keeping the same theme going on for domestic travel, uh, and recentering where you are ultimately going to be able to go. So like I said, Turks and Caicos is coming up. That has been one that's been planned. Uh, everybody in the resort, so we've read, has been vaccinated and all good to go. We've been vaccinated. So that should be a um, pretty painless <laughs> experience, at least as far as uh, uh, being as safe as we possibly need to be. Um, and then after that, actually into August, an another reroute for us. So that was uh, supposed to be this Baltic trip that we were pretty sure was not going to happen. And of course it's not. <laughs> we actually rebooked it for next year. So <laughs> gosh, in 2022, late summer, let's hope we're able to do that trip and get back to some of the international travel. But for now, um, we're actually going to do Acadia National Park, which is in Maine. Uh, and again, for all those same considerations we talked about, uh, it's definitely been on our bucket list to do more of new england uh, we've really enjoyed the national parks it's crazy I, I never really thought about uh having a theme of national parks being uh, a lot of what we go see but there's a reason why they've been uh deemed national parks uh, they they're all pretty incredible um from from what i've seen so far i feel like uh like i said we'll we'll do denali at some point uh we'll get to yosemite at some point which i know are a couple of the the big ones but um I, 
gosh, there's even uh, Glacier National Park, I, I know is another. So we, we've got plenty more <laughs> of them to see, but, but the ones that we have seen and, and have slated to see also just we, we hear rave reviews and so on. So there's no shortage uh, of destinations for us to be able to get to. Um, so we're super excited to be able to get that in. So with that, hopefully I gave you a few ideas of trips that you can take. Um, hopefully as the summer continues and vaccinations continue to roll out, people will feel more and more safe uh, in getting their travel in and, and um, just getting back out there and experiencing life. Obviously that applies to more things than just uh, travel and vacations to say the least. There's a lot of things that we want to get back to. Um, but gosh, it feels like there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm very hopeful that that's the case. So um, for those that are able to get out there, um, if I can help uh, with any ideas or suggestions, by all means, let me know. I'm excited and, and hopefully everybody else is starting to get excited as well. So give me a shout. Let me know what you think and where your travels are taking you. I'm definitely going to try to get some more travel folks onto the show to tell us about their areas of expertise and other ideas of uh, areas and cultures that we can experience and should go do and see. Again, it's one of my favorite things of the podcast is finding people that are from certain areas of the world and, hey, where do you suggest going that a tourist wouldn't know about? Maybe I can mix it up with some locals. That's really exciting stuff and one of my favorite parts about being able to travel and talk to other people about traveling. So again, I hope I gave you some ideas for those that are really ready to get out there and travel. I hope you're able to follow through with your plans as we start to open up and we will be in touch. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or all other major podcasting applications to be notified of our latest episode. You can also join our conversation at suburbanfolk.com or any social media site, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the handle Suburban Folk. Thank you for listening to my daddy.